Look, our brains are great at lots of things, but remembering passwords is not one of them, especially not secure passwords. Let's free our brains from being password managers and get something way better. 1Password. 1Password keeps everything private and in sync across multiple devices. 1Password can't see the passwords or sensitive information you store in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. I've been using 1Password for about 10 years now, and it's made my life so much easier, especially using it with Touch ID and Face ID. It's the first thing I install on any new phone, computer, or tablet I'm using for myself or my family. And all you have to remember is one strong account password that protects everything else your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. And I love that something I use to save me so many hours I can't even count them all is something you can try too. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash beyond for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash beyond. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is Eric Fisher. I'm excited this week to bring you Jay Bear. He is of the site Convince and Convert. He is a social media consultant, a content consultant, and does a lot of social media speaking. Now, I've had the privilege of seeing him speak about three or four times live, and it's always been not just the nuts and bolts and the, you know, how to do social media the right way. Uh, He's just a great guy. And so I think you're going to really like what he talks about here with with balancing doing social media, much like the Michael Stelzner episode, but in a different angle of of how to, um, you know, be somebody who's writing books and blogging and speaking and running a business that's consulting for social media all at the same time. And so we'll get into the episode right away. But for just a second, I wanted to let you know this episode is brought to you in part by GoToMeeting by Citrix. You know, no matter what part of your life you're thinking about, you always have to have meetings. It's where you share ideas. It's where you think about what problems you have and you solve them and you create solutions. You have to communicate. But if those people that you need to meet with to talk through these things aren't all in the same place, then you need to find a solution. One of the best solutions is GoToMeeting with HD Faces. Some of the benefits of using GoToMeeting is that you can share screens. There's built-in HD video conferencing so you can see each other's faces and read some of those nonverbal cues that don't always make it through just purely textual conversations through email or text or instant messages. And you can connect with a number of different devices, whether that's a laptop a PC, an iPad, or even an iPhone or Android device. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. GoToMeeting, meeting is believing. 
Well, this week it's my great pleasure to introduce Jay Bear. He is a social media consultant, content consultant, and even a social media speaker, among many other things. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks very much for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure. So first off, I want to say, for as much emphasis you put on being hype-free on Convince and Convert, Jay Bear has always struck me as sounding like a rapper's name. Very nice. You know, it's a, a interesting side note there. Uh, my name, as you might suspect, is actually Jason. And for the first year or so of my social media career, uh, I actually went by Jason and all my bios said Jason Bear and things of that nature. But I actually changed it for a couple of reasons. One, my Twitter account was always Jay Bear and all my friends and family have called me Jay since I was a little tiny kid. So it was a comfortable transition. But also, there are a number of other people uh, by the first name of Jason in the social media community. Jason Falls, Jason Keith, et cetera, Jason Konopitsky. Right. Uh, there are far fewer named Jay. So from a, a, a branding and kind of has more of a ring to it perspective, I actually changed my name uh, after I'd been in the business for a year or so. Now, you don't mean legally change. You're just saying you're going by your nickname, right? That's right. Going by okay. nickname, and I use that. <laughs> that would... That yeah, would be very weird. Book. I was like, no, well, I legally changed my name for social media reasons. If I was going to legally change my name for social media reasons, it would be to something far more awesome than Jay. So it's a differentiator is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I know with all the different things that I want to touch on with you, I want to start off with the average question that I ask everybody, which is, with all these things you're juggling, in an ideal world, how do you start your day? Well, I feel like my world is, is fairly ideal as it is. That's kind of the idea, right? Is to, yeah. to create the environment that, that you want. And this is my fifth company that I have started. And so each time I do that, I try and, and create an environment that is closer to ideal for myself. But even though I have read countless blog posts and books that say you shouldn't, uh, I wake up and check email within the first five seconds of being alert. Okay. Why do you do that? Because I've, I've had people here on this show as well as I've heard others say that. Don't check it. Why do you choose to? I think partially it's the nature of the work that we do at Convince and Convert. Most of our clients are either corporations or agencies, and we are on retainer with them to help with all things social content and digital. We are essentially uh, social media whisperers and, and, are, and are literally on call. So uh, we, between myself and the rest of my team, we staff uh, 14 hours a day uh, in terms of answering customer questions and, and helping our clients with all manner of things. And so it certainly helps to get a jump on, all right, here's the things that I actually need to address in the first part of the day versus most of what I get when I wake up is is spam or email newsletters or things I don't really care about, but at least it allows me to isolate the first batch of things I need to address uh, in, in the first hour or two. Okay. So it's more give you a context to what your priorities for the day are going to be based on your work, not someone else's. Yeah. It's more of a triage mechanism. And, and, gotcha. and based on how we operate and the kind of services we provide, that's sort of the way it goes, right? So So all the planning in the world can be done, but because we are in the business of helping people with whatever they need help with, our ability to execute on that plan is very much circumstantial. So there are days when I think, wow, I've got a bunch of actual time in the middle of the day that I could work on uh, a book or I could work on an ebook or I could work on a presentation or work on something else, but then that that time can, can disappear quite quickly with uh, a couple of client inquiries. Okay. So then after email, you, are you saying you're checking email first thing in the morning while you're at home? Yeah, I work from home, so that keeps it okay. 
But okay. I'm actually checking in bed. Nice. I don't even stand. All right. Email. Uh, <laughs> so then you get out of bed and what's I next? get out of bed and then I go uh, Twitter, Facebook, birthday greetings. Make sure I get that handled mm-hmm. before I forget. Uh, and then I go read a couple of online newspapers uh, and then start checking through blogs and other things that I may want to curate or, or tweet throughout the day. Okay. And how are you setting that up? Do you believe in scheduling tweets and things like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No question. I'm an investor in Buffer uh, and oh, cool. use Buffer consistently. Uh, I use Argyle Social for all of my own work and in promoting my own uh, blog and webinars and, and speaking engagements and other things that I'm doing. But I use Buffer universally to schedule tweets and, and Facebook status updates and, and LinkedIn posts, et cetera. Okay. Yeah, those are two great tools. I, I don't know if you knew this. I actually do social media at Indiana Wesleyan University right. as my day job. So that's one of those things. It's like, well, you've got to schedule or you can't have tweets go out at or you know social posts, I guess, better broad spectrum at times where people are going to most see them or more opportune times and not have them all come out at like, you know, here's five tweets in course of a half hour. So absolutely. You know, it's a, you have to pay attention to it. It can be a little dangerous uh, to to have everything queued up too far in advance. And, and you look at events right. like uh, like Hurricane Sandy and things like that, where you've seen some tweets leak out in the last day or so that maybe are a little bit tone deaf. It's like, you know, maybe that was scheduled uh, in advance and possibly you should have unscheduled that uh, given the circumstances. Yeah. Okay. So I've seen you speak, let's see here, about three or four different times live. And I wanted to say that the the words social media consultant often have a bad taste in people's mouths, but you give social media consulting a good name. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) And uh, I I know that one of the talks I saw was at Blog World where we were both there. And um, you talked a bit about Convince and Convert and how it started and then how it kind of grew and, and some of the, the changes you made along the way. And I'd be interested in hearing, you know, some of that story as well as how you kind of adapted it to to grow. I mean, it started off with just you. Is that right? Yeah. The Convince and Convert blog at convinceandconvert.com has now been up for uh, four and a half years. I started in, in July of 2008 and I had been a writer my whole life, but I was primarily a magazine columnist and, and I wrote a lot of business columns for different business publications and things like that, but I'd never really done uh, blogging. And so when I started this company, when I started Convince to Convert, I, I realized that the frequency of publication and the nature of thought leadership had had changed and, and that you had to be out there more often with shorter form work. And so uh, I decided to to write the blog. And so for the first couple of years of the blog, I wrote personally uh, three or four posts a week, every week. And in that time, sort of developed a voice and a little bit more clarity around who my audience is. Um, part of that is just trial and error, right? And and what mm-hmm. I tell clients all the time is what you think your blog is about and for whom you think you're writing initially is not what your blog will ultimately be about and will not be necessarily for whom you're writing uh, down the road. Uh, all good blogs, I think, morph over time and evolve based on feedback from the readership and and convince to convert was initially very much focused on agencies and, and how agencies can make the digital transformation and uh, offer digital services more profitably to their clients etc and we still write about that some and we still have a lot of work in that industry but 
I found that that when I focused more on social media and less on sort of hand digital issues, that I got a lot more reaction and and a lot more response, and so started to do more of that and more of that and more of that, and then uh, all of a sudden it sort of became a a social media blog, uh, and and the rest, as they say, is history. But but it was by no means um, an, an overnight circumstance. I, I show and sometimes when I do presentations about blogging, I show my actual Google Analytics traffic chart over the four and a half years that that we've had the blog and, it, and it's very much a slow and steady climb throughout that entire period there was no sort of a detonation if you will it was just you know what if you get more people on the blog today than you did yesterday um, eventually that's going to work out so you would say maybe part of success in in this case or in many cases really is just continually showing up yeah oh i my biggest peeve with bloggers is this is this um, party line that's out there that you know I I want to write a blog post when I'm inspired. Mm, yeah. Well, you know what? You're not going to be inspired that often, right? So so I always say perspiration trumps inspiration, uh, and, and the best way to be a successful blogger is to actually blog because even if it's not the single best blog post you've ever written. Everything you ever write or publish has some net present value to your business. It's going to continue to generate traffic. It's going to continue to generate backlinks. It's going to continue to generate social shares. It's going to continue to generate comments. Um, the great thing about content marketing, and one of the reasons why we're doing a lot more content marketing consulting now, is that it pays an information annuity that no other form of marketing really pays, right? If you stop advertising on Google AdWords, the value of that advertising drops almost to zero the day you stop paying them. But blogging or any sort of content creation, ebook, slide share, podcasting, what have you, pays an information annuity well into the future. The atomic half-life of content is is longer than any other form of marketing. And that's why I think it's ultimately a very, very efficient way to roll. It's it's hard to do it at the at the onset. And I I, I calculated once how many hours I've spent blogging uh, and it scared the crap out of me. I was like, man, I could have done something particularly useful with my time. Uh, but then you start thinking, you know what, it is useful. And and all the things that we've been able to accomplish in this company would not have happened uh, without the blog. Yeah. Well, and, and then you're building up that backlog of what a lot of people term evergreen content where it's still valuable. Like a That's lot right. of your old stuff is still stuff that if people search for it, right? Or, or it meets their need, they're going to find it. So. Well, we, and we, we, uh, we retweet it as well. We have a... Oh, yeah. We have a program uh, called Nights and Weekends that my assistant handles, and once a night and once on Saturday, once on Sunday, she goes back through the archives and tweets out greatest hits, blog posts, to sort of recirculate stuff. And yeah. some of them are six months old or a year old or two years old, uh, and, and we do that consistently. And, and the amount of traffic that just that little program generates is really remarkable. Okay. So then as you're growing, you, you've gotten this kind of snowball effect of, okay, you've accumulated a lot of posts. The snowball's getting bigger. At what point did you start adding more people? And, and for what reason did you start adding people to the Convince and Convert team? Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people. Or, at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent. 
fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch-your-own-shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety in your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with shopify you'll harness the same intuitive features trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, I really added people to the team, and there's seven of us now, to handle client work. Okay. Uh, you know, so, so it wasn't necessarily adding team members to, to create content. It was really to handle increasing demands from clients, which is obviously a great problem to have. Uh, and then when my first book, The Now Revolution, came out, it sort of catapulted the number of speaking engagements that that I uh, was offered into sort of a, a different level, which is fantastic. And of all the things that I do, uh, I, I like speaking the best. But that, again, sort of takes you off the front lines in terms of being able to help clients as much as you're used to. So it was really a workflow issue for me. But then I said, geez, we've got all these people on the team now who are all very, very smart and very experienced in social and digital. Maybe we should have them create some content as well. So uh, we set up a program where where each of our team members uh, create one blog post a month, which then augments what I'm doing. And then we also rolled out a a fairly robust uh, guest posting program where we we solicit guest posts from uh, trusted authors. And if somebody approaches us with an idea that we think is disproportionately brilliant, uh, we will sometimes uh, run those as well. So we actually expanded the number of posts that we write or publish on the blog per week. But the percentage of those that I personally write has gone down significantly. So you've kind of augmented your requirements. So how many are you doing on average now? I do one a week. Okay. But the blog still posts daily, is that right? Almost daily. Almost daily. Yeah, we usually do four or five a week. Okay. When it was just you, were you doing one a day at one point? Uh, I never did one a day. I, I did three a week personally for about three and a half years. Okay. And then as the other team members stepped into the blogging, it went from three a week from me to four or five a week, but only one from me. 
Uh, and so it really became, even though it's always been Convince and Convert, fundamentally it became the Convince and Convert blog, not the Jay Bear blog. Right. And that was scary. That was a hard decision to make. And, and I'd like to say it was made out of, you know, this amazing strategic acumen, but it was really made out of necessity. It was really like, look, man, there's no way I can write three blog posts a week anymore. I just don't, I, I can't, I can't carve out that much time. As it, and I was like, well, this could be the the death of this blog. And as it turns out, it was quite the opposite. Uh, traffic to the blog and most of the other success metrics that we pay attention to are up, you know, 20 to 25% uh, since we did that, which is uh, fantastic for us. Uh, but also a little disheartening because apparently people don't care about whether or not I write the blog post. <laughs> uh, they just care about whether there is a blog post. So uh, not necessarily great for the ego, but good for the business. Yeah. Now, did that coincide uh, having the team members start blogging as well to to free up time for you to go speaking? Did that coincide with the Now Revolution coming out? No, it actually went the other way. So the book came out and, and I managed through sort of a Herculean effort to to do both through about the end of last year. About this time last year, uh, I'd finished the the full book tour and the book is doing well and all that. And I said, you know what? We're going to have to make some resource changes here uh, or, or we're just going to have to fundamentally tell everybody no. Um, so around the beginning of this year is when we started to expand uh, the team even more. So we sort of went from myself and then myself and and uh, my assistant Jess, and then we sort of added a couple more people and a couple more people and uh, uh, to the point we're at now. So and, and we may need to add some more resources uh, in the first quarter again. So then you've got the consulting and the speaking and the blog and the book that came out. How did Social Pros podcast come about yeah i love the podcast it's it's um one of my very favorite projects probably probably my favorite thing that i work on consistently it's a, kind of a funny story so argyle social who we mentioned earlier has been a sponsor of convince and convert for a year or so and great guys to work with really like them and like their product and eric and i eric boggs who's their ceo and founder have spent some time together personally at south by southwest and other places and we just sort of have a good rapport and around this time last year, maybe a little later, Thanksgiving, I think, last year, something like that, he just sent me a note and said, hey, you should do a podcast, right? You really, Why aren't you doing that? You really should do a podcast. You'd be good at it, et cetera, et cetera, and we should do it together. And, and I really had not ever thought about that. I'd, I've done a, a lot of video interviews and things on the blog in the past, but I'd never really thought about a podcast. And so I sort of let that marinate for a little bit over the holidays. And I thought, you know what, we should do that. That would be kind of fun. And, and uh, you know, I understand the power of interview. I, I don't know if you, if you know this story, Eric, but one of the ways that I sort of made my bones, so to speak, is that when, when I first started out in social media and, uh, and, and nobody knew who I was, not that really anybody does now, but, but even in, in a, to, to a larger degree, I started a program called the Twitter 20, which was a live interview series on Twitter. In fact, I was the first person to ever do uh, a, an interview live on Twitter. Oh, wow. Um, and I would interview sort of social media luminaries, right? Chris Brogan and Gary Vaynerchuk and Joe Jaffe and Scott Monty and a lot of other people, David Armano. And, and it was a live interview where I would ask them just 20 questions in a row. So it almost was the precursor to the sort of Twitter chats that we have today. Yeah. And I would do that every couple of weeks and then write blog posts with full transcripts. And then I would package it up as an ebook and did this whole content thing. And that is what sort of got me on the radar 
for a lot of people. So I understood the power of the interview format from that experience. And so when Eric said, you got to do a podcast, I said, yeah, you know what? I think that would be interesting. And, and uh, I wrote a blog post on the site and asked my readers some questions about what would they prefer in terms of length and format and things of that nature and got some good feedback, some uh, crowdsourced feedback there. And, uh, and then Eric and I rolled it out uh, first part of the year this year and we're on episode 41 this week. And it's, it's been going great. Love it. Well, and I kind of say that as a listener of that show, I love it too, especially because of my day job. But even people who aren't in social media as, as a job can really get a lot out of that because you really are talking to people who are doing, well, like you say, you're talking to real people doing real work in social media. And so it's not just people who think they know what they're talking about. It's people actually, you know, in the trenches doing the work. Yeah, that was when we when we thought about the strategy for the podcast. We looked at what else was out there, and uh, and there's a lot of great podcasts. And in fact, this year has really become the year of the podcast. There's been so many new ones started just in the last few months, and and a lot of the new ones have asked Eric and I for uh, advice, and so that's gratifying to see that it, we had a small role in sort of you know adding some some fuel to the social media podcasting fire, which is kind of fun. But one of the things we really wanted to differentiate was, look, let's try and keep this as consultant-free as possible. Um, not because I don't want to talk to other consultants. The people who are in the trenches, people who are doing the kind of work that you're doing for brands, don't get talked to as much because they just don't have the the public profile. They're not doing all the keynotes and the books and all those kind of things. And uh, and I feel like those are the more interesting stories. So that's what we try and focus on. Okay. You also... Aside from social prose, which is social and it's professional. It stands for professional, not like poetry. Although that would be an interesting social media podcast. Yeah, I like social that. social greatest, prose, yeah. Uh, that would be uh, tweets with uh, Iamic Pitanitor. Yes. Pitanitor. But uh, you also are doing, um, from the site, Convince and Convert, one social thing. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, one social thing is is our newsletter project. It's onesocialthing.com and that that has also been an evolution over time. It it sort of a, it mirrors the evolution of the blog as a whole. So, my background is in uh web strategy and and more specifically uh email marketing and and landing page optimization and those kind of things. So, I've been an email proponent for a long long time and so we've had an email newsletter, quote unquote, as part of Convince and Convert from day one. It used to be a, a regular weekly. And then we switched it for a while to a Monday and Friday product that we called the 321. Uh, and it was three social media stories that you should read sent twice per week, Mondays and Fridays, at one o'clock. Um, that's why it was called the 321. And 321 was really successful. It went great. And, but then I started thinking about, you know, Everything is getting faster. Everything's getting shorter. Everybody has less time. There's this massive tsunami of, of content out there. What is the logical conclusion to this trend? And, and so I thought, you know what the logical conclusion is, is just one thing. Pick one thing and say, look, if you can only read one thing about social media or content marketing, this is the one thing that you should read today. And I thought, you know what? You can't, you can't outdo that that framework, right? You you can't say only read half a thing today, right? So I just felt like intellectually it had a nice spin to it. And so we switched to the one social thing uh, a few months ago. And it also, just as a as an aside, it, it allows us to publish more frequently in a way that I hope isn't annoying, which gives our sponsors a little bit more exposure uh, to our readership as well, which is nice for them. So 
we move to one social thing and, and literally that's it. It's, it's, you get an email every day from us that says, all right, this is the article that we think you should have read. And, and we, uh, we curate that article from, you know, a wide variety of places and, and try and keep people up to speed on, on what's really going on. It's a little bit of a difficult editorial challenge though, Eric, we've found in, in that we don't want to be mashable, right? You, right. you don't want to say, here's, you know, is it, is it one social thing news? Or is it one social thing kind of issues? Or is it one social thing, this is the single greatest blog post written today? And, and so we continue to struggle a little bit with the editorial direction of one social thing. I think a lot of people like it. The, the results of it are, are pretty strong. Um, not overwhelmingly strong, but pretty strong. But it's still a, a work in progress in terms of you know what should be included as a one social thing. And uh, we're, we're working on it. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you're kind of curating that as well as how are you personally finding things, you know, wh what are your go-to sources, so to speak, for uh, stuff that you want to tweet out or share with, yeah. your, with your audience? It's funny. It used to be RSS. And I had the same conversation with Tom Webster um, from Edison Research the other day. And we were talking about a different issue. And, and uh, he said, you know, I haven't used an RSS reader in like a year and a half. And I'm like, yeah, me, me neither. And, and I used to use an RSS reader multiple times a day, as I think many people did. But now I increasingly use Twitter, you know, as a, as a finding mechanism. Uh, as sort of headline news for the digital age. So I have a lot of Twitter lists set up in Argyle Social for different people in different categories, clients and, and sort of social media types and content people and all that. And so I tend to scan the links that they're putting out there. I've got, uh, you know, blogs that I know that I like and, and things that I'm particularly uh, fond of. I subscribe to everything via email, right? And, and I'm still old school like that. So I get, I don't even know, 30 or 40 emails a day from from different blogs or aggregator services and so that's a good source uh, and then for one social thing we actually have a pinterest board where everybody on my team it's a group board can pin to it and so we pin ideas for one social thing to the one social thing pinterest board uh, and then my assistant jess who's our managing editor picks the one for the day she's the one who makes the final call on what goes in one social thing nice is that a public board or is that private it's private okay i was gonna say i'd love to take a look at that board but uh... well you know actually i shouldn't let me that well, that could not be true. Let me investigate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. I should probably know that, but I don't. Well, I mean, if she, if they're all running the stuff the right way, you may not need to know. Right. Well, I mean, I probably need to know, but there's only so many things that I want to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, um, yeah, it's uh, it's private for okay, now. Okay, good. It's, it's sort of like uh, car maintenance. Mm -hmm. huh? Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You, Perfect example. And as I said, this is uh, my fifth startup professional services company. And one thing I learned uh, in about 2005, 2004, was that, look, my nature is to want to try and control everything. But you end up doing yourself a, and and the rest of your team a huge disservice uh, if you operate like that, right? You've just, you got to find good people. Mm -hmm and train them in how you want things done and just let them do it, right? You, you cannot micromanage everything because it just, it just sucks your attention away from the big picture. And uh, once I sort of made that mental leap, my life and my businesses have been substantially better as a result. So if you can get the right people and train them to do the right things as close to how you would do them as possible, 
then you can step away and you can trust them. Yeah, I think the uh, uh, the other way I explain this to people is, look, you need to do only the things that you are uniquely qualified to do. If you're spending time doing things that other people on your team can do, then you're actually robbing yourself of opportunity. Yeah, which actually is a great segue into only you, Jay Bear, can write your next book. And how are you bridging that into all this other stuff that you're doing now that you've gone back into book mode? Yeah, actually, I just started book mode on Sunday uh, a couple of days ago. So today will be day three of book mode. Um, I'm writing this book in some ways the same way I wrote my half of the Now Revolution uh, in that I say, okay, here's about how many words this book is going to be. And I break it down into into a daily writing goal. And so I will, you know, I, I do my job, uh, my day job, if you will, hang with the kids, have dinner, get the kids settled in, and then I'll write for a couple hours every night um, and then write for most of one of each of the weekend days. Uh, and, and I have discovered over time that apparently that's unusual, that most people can't write on command like that. Um, but, but I can, so I do. Um, so I've been doing research for the book for two or three months, but I, I should be able to write the book fundamentally in four or five weeks, which I'm told is also pretty quick. Uh, yeah. I'm doing a lot of speaking around the new book, which is called Utility, uh, Why Smart Companies Sell More by Selling Less. And it's all about the, the notion of what if your marketing was so inherently useful that people would pay you for it, um, that the way to differentiate now in this modern world where every company is screaming and shouting and tweeting and Pinteresting um, is not necessarily to be more clever or more viral or even more findable, but to be just useful, that if you are inherently useful, your customers will do your marketing for you. And we've got lots and lots of case studies in the book, and uh, I, I'm really excited about it. But it, it is difficult. It's going to be a... It's going to be a crazy uh, few weeks because it's like having a second job. Mm-hmm. And then as I discovered the first time, you know, the, the fun really begins once it's time to promote the book. So that's uh, that's why we may be adding some additional staff resources next year uh, because my ability to, to do uh, client stuff will be mitigated even more because I'll be on the road doing book promotion. Well, hearing you talk about what the book is about, I know that that's just some of the standard stuff you talk about. So that's, I mean, that that resonates with me right now. And so it's called, again, Utility. Why are Utility? Utility, why smart companies sell more by selling less. Nice. Now, when is that? uh, You may not know, but when is that due out? Is there a goal for that? Spring-ish. I don't have my book contract done yet. Uh, Uh, I'm doing it a little different this time. I'm sort of writing the book while I'm working on the contract. Typically, it goes the other way around. But I sort of had this, I shouldn't say whole, but opportunity in my schedule where I'm not traveling much between now and the end of the year. And so... I said, if I'm going to write this thing, it needs to be in this window. So I'm writing it, and then we'll figure out the paperwork later. But it it should be spring sometime, I think. Okay. Well, we'll look for that. Would you say that one of the reasons why maybe it's not normal for other people is they do wait for that whole, I'm going to wait to write when I'm inspired, and and you're just used to, you've done the research, and now you're just ready to perspire and get it done? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I have it all in my head. I just need to put it down now. Um, And and I tried to do some things just on the – on the process side to make that easier this time. So uh, I have created a keynote presentation of the speech. Uh, I did it for the first time at Blog Indiana, actually. That was the world debut of that presentation. And uh, I have a recording, an MP3 file of that keynote. Uh, and then I'm a big user and proponent of SpeechPad, speechpad.com. And so I upload the MP3. They turn around, give me a written transcript of it. Um, so now I've got 
you know, 10,000 words of me giving the presentation, which I can use to incorporate into the book. And then I did between um, my research assistant, Kim Korak, and myself, we did about 50 interviews for the book. And every single one of them we recorded uh, via telephone or via Skype. And so same thing, I can take those files, upload them to SpeechPad, and then it transcribes it. So I have hundreds of thousands of words of of interviews, phone interviews um, with people for the book. And so it just makes it a lot easier to drop those quotes in as opposed to taking tons of notes and going through, you know, five notebooks full of handwritten notes and trying to piece it all together. It's just much more efficient this way. Yeah. that I mean, well, you almost in not just doing the research, part of your research was literally writing because other people's words were being transcribed and you just drop, copy, paste them in. So you've actually been writing it without having to lift a finger, so to speak, yeah. digitally. I'm also thinking about because I've got, you know, audio files of MP3 files of all these phone calls and stuff uh, and, and the transcripts. I'm actually thinking about cleaning those up a little bit and maybe time releasing them in front of the book publication as, as sort of teaser material. So here's my interview with Clorox about their app. Here's my yeah. interview with McDonald's. Here's my interview with, you know, whomever. Uh, it might be an interesting option. That sounds really exciting. I'm really looking forward to to hearing those if you do release it that way, but especially for the book. And I know that something else people might be interested as we close is you are going to be speaking in January at New Media Expo. Is that correct? I am. I'm going to be talking about uh, about that same topic, about utility. Great. I will actually be speaking again. I'm going to be speaking uh, about Facebook EdRank, so I will see you there. Very nice. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good event, and I've got uh, a lot of things uh, going in January, which is great, but it, it's going to be an uh, an abrupt beginning to the year. I, I will not be easing into 2013. Yeah, that's okay. That's our. I'm already trying to figure out. Okay, how do I get away for a nice long Christmas vacation? Yep. with family and stuff. So, well, in closing, I'd love for you to plug any and all of your stuff of where they can find the blog, the podcast, all of that stuff. If you go to convinceandconvert.com, which is our home base, uh, that's the best place to get uh, connected to, to everything else. And, and then if you subscribe to One Social Thing, onesocialthing.com, which is our daily email newsletter, you'll get one amazing story per day, and then we'll keep you up to date on all the other cool stuff that we're doing. We've got three ebooks I think we're rolling out between now and the end of the year, uh, all kinds of other balls in the air. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Jay, for, for coming on the show, and it was great having you. My pleasure. Thank you for the time. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I want to say thank you again to Jay Bear for joining me. Jay Bear, like you heard, will be speaking at New Media Expo as well as myself. And you could come see us speak really fairly inexpensive uh, compared to other conferences. Please check that out at beyondthetodolist.com slash NMX, the letters NMX. We'd love to see you there. And again, if you've enjoyed this show and all the episodes that we've been providing, please go to iTunes and go ahead and leave us a five-star rating or review. Just let us know what you're doing and even go to the site itself at beyondthetodolist.com and let us know what you think and any feedback. We'd love to hear from you, hear what you're getting out of the show. We'll talk to you later. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Find more great podcasts like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Once Upon a Time, Christian Worldview, and more at noodle.mx. Think, laugh, and succeed by subscribing to our podcasts 
at noodle.mx. Hi, this is Daniel J. Lewis with Noodle Mix Network. Thank you for nominating our podcast into the finalist positions at podcastawards.com. Now the easy but most important part starts. Please visit podcastawards.com every day, November 1st through 15th, to vote for our podcasts. Under comedy, vote for The Ramen Noodle. Under entertainment, vote for Once Podcast. And under technology, vote for The Audacity to Podcast. Please do this every day on podcastawards.com, November 1st through 15th, 2012, and your votes will help our podcasts. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.